The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, and tonight we are celebrating the best and most celebrated Christmas movie that's ever existed, Die Hard. And with me tonight, helping me talk about all things Christmas and all things John McClane, yippee ki our way through Die Hard, is the Unicron. Yo! I uh, thought of you as one of the first people to, to come on for this episode, because we've had long conversations about not only Die Hard itself, but Die Hard as its place as a Christmas movie. I mean, it is the best Christmas movie. It is the best Christmas movie. And unfortunately, even its star says that it is not, in fact, a Christmas movie. I mean, that that's probably just because he's old and wants to be contrary at this point. And he is kind of a dick. He he does get to that, but he has gotten to that point where he just kind of likes to fuck with people. He does. He's uh, not as good at it as, say, Bill Murray or something. But... It's it's a different kind of fuck with people. It's not like the, the, the friendly fuck with people. It's like, leave me the fuck alone fuck with people. Yeah, like, says something and then just stares at the person to see what their reaction is. Like, start a fight with Sylvester Stallone about gun rights on a talk show to promote your movie. <laughs> fuck with people. <laughs> that kind of fuck with people. Uh, or, like, uh, you know, decided he didn't really want to do fucking, oh, what was that damn movie? Uh, Wasn't it Expendables or something? Yeah, he didn't yeah. want to do Expendables 3, but rather than saying no to the role, he's like, well, I'll do it, but you have to pay me a million dollars a day. And so I was like, no, I'm not paying that. He's like, cool, well then, I mean, not gonna I guess I'm out of the movie yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, movie, I wouldn't say at the very beginning of uh, Bruce's career, he had done Moonlighting at this point. And I think one or two other things, but this was definitely the movie that broke him out. It, it, it's the one that really like made it, it launched his career. Like, yeah, he did Moonlighting, did some other stuff, but it's really the one that like made him a household name. Absolutely, and uh, and one that I mean, this movie is legendary. It's one of the greatest action films of all time. Yeah, it's right. It's in that discussion at the very least, and uh, we have decided to use this movie as a means to fuck with our audience and uh, destroy anything that made it good in the first place. By rebooting or remaking it, reimagining what you will on uh, on this episode. So, uh, <laughs> Sergeant Al Powell will now be played by Laverne Cox. Send yes. your emails immediately. Immediately uh, to <laughs> geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com. I'm sure she's stoked for the role. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's get it going. Uh, the way we normally do this is we talk about any kind of differences to the plot that we possibly have uh, before we get started. And then we use the directors as kind of a barometer on what style of remake we're doing, you know, the director and their kind of tone usually kind of suggests what kind of uh, version we're doing. I mean, it's a pretty basic plot. There, there's bad guys. 
terrorists, thieves, whatever you want to call them, generic bad guy du jour of the decade. In the 80s, it was the Germans or the Russians. Mm -hmm. Eastern uh, Europeans. Yeah, some kind of Eastern European, you know, lost the Soviet Cold War bullshit. Uh, and now it's brown guys, you know, named Ahmed. And that that's just what it's been since, like, the late 90s. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, are you planning on changing the, uh, the characters uh, of the, the terrorists or the r races? Or are you sticking with the, like... I mean, I say, you know what, if, are we going, wait, are we starting with funny or serious remake? Uh, let's start with the serious, and then we kind of, serious. we can okay. lead into the funny when we so announce kind of the directors. The serious and... remake idea I had is less a, less a remake, more of a, a, a proper sequel slash soft reboot, Okay. which is, uh, and to be fair, they've pitched this in the initial thing. If you ever seen like the interview with Kevin Smith about working with Bruce Willis, he goes on this whole rant that Bruce Willis flipped out about he's the keeper of the diehard canon or whatever, <laughs> because basically everybody at Fox has come and gone like six times since yeah. he started making these movies. So he gets to the phone and like yells at people, but like he takes it seriously as its own like universe, like way we're putting it. So soft reboot number six, diehard in space, diehard in space, like. Jason's done it, Halloween's done it, Freddy's fucking done it, everyone's been to space, but John fucking McClane. I mean, hell, Machete is supposed to be going to space sometime. Exactly. So, we re we cast Josh Brolin as his son. Okay. Uh, so, we gotta recast that, because that was kind of a shitty casting in Die Hard 5. That was a shitty casting. I, I didn't really like it. Um, he, had or, no, he had no character. There was nothing right. exciting about the dude. He was just there as set dressing, almost. Or, and this could go either way, because... For those who may remember the first two diehards, he also had a daughter. Yep. So we could do this either way. It is James Cameron. We're going in space. We could totally go with, like, the chick from Atomic Blonde or the chick they're putting in the new Men in Black, um, whose name I forget, oh, across yeah, from yeah, yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Yep. Uh, she was in Thor Ragnarok, and I forget her name. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, God. What's her name? Yeah, she's fantastic. Like someone like that, someone who's new, not like a really like well-known chick action star, but someone who is capable of like just punching people in the face without any affectation. Or that chick from Person of Interest, the, the one that played Agent yeah. Shaw. Someone like that. So that, or like Josh Brolin as one of the kids, one of the McLean kids, somehow in space, except we're fighting like space pirates and fucking aliens. And James Cameron directs this whole thing with lots of machine guns, shit explodes. For some reason, there's wife beaters still in space and everybody's sweaty like Battlestar Galactica. We don't understand. I've and never, no one has shoes. I've never understood that, that with the kind of a broken down spaceship version of space, not the super clean next generation version, everybody's sweaty. Everybody's dirty. Everybody looks like they haven't showered in like four weeks. I mean, I understand not showering and being kind of dirty and grimy. I understand that. But I don't understand sweaty. Space is a fucking vacuum. Vacuums are really fucking cold. There's no reason for you to be sweating your balls off in outer space. I, I'm pretty sure most of those movies has a cutscene that they cut out uh, where it's just somebody that is in control of the thermostat in the spaceship. And you it's just, just turn a, it up to 11 a real and rip the knob about off. It. It's like some chick that's a freeze baby that gets like really upset if it's below 70 degrees on the thermostat. And everybody else is sweating. being like, we are running from xenomorphs. Can you please fucking turn down the thermostat a little bit? That was my primary turnoff about the Battlestar remake. It was like, why the fuck is everybody sweaty? Like, you're in space. Turn the fucking heat off. Maybe they were hoping that it would overheat the Cylons and then they would shut down. That's not how they work. That's not. Well, they were trying to figure that out during most of that series. That was how they also work. the thing that pissed me off about Stargate Universe. It was basically like a shitty 
Battlestar remake with Stargates and Lost in Space. And it was terrible, which is not what we're going for for this remake. <laughs> okay. I want aliens, but with John McClane shooting aliens in the fucking face. So let's let's break this down a little bit. This is your serious, by the way, right? Yeah, this is my serious. This is one. your serious version. So we've got John McClane. Right. Maybe uh, is he going to try to reconcile with his wife on like an adjacent spaceship or something docking on a space station? So Nakatomi like, space station. He's like, so we still got Bonnie Bedelia like hung up on the phone from like number three where he tried to call her and like, you know, one of their kids managed to make it through the fucking space program. Right. And it's like going to be the first so this one is more of a sequel, like a sequel at? slash soft reboot. Type okay. thing. Like, you know how, like when they get to a certain point in a, in a, in a series they're like, all right, we can't keep using the same old dude anymore. Yep. But we don't want to do a reboot because people riot about fucking reboots now because reboots are done to death. So we're gonna soft reboot into like a new series type thing. Okay. And but we gotta we gotta pass it off somehow. So like Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia have like a cameo part in like the first five minutes of the launch sequence. And you of, can just let Bruce do whatever he wants yeah, to. It's like, a five minute bit. It doesn't have to be that important. He, he can, can show up, fuck with his buddy from friends from the fucking whole nine yards, play harmonica. I don't give a shit. He's there for five fucking minutes yeah. to basically just say, look, we didn't kill him off. We're not recasting him. We're not doing that thing. Instead, he's just not the hero of this new movie. It's a different McLean. Okay. So then, you know, it be it, you know, John Jr. or I forget what the fuck the daughter's name was. Lucy. Lucy. what it was. One of the two, like, makes it through the fucking space program, go into this super fucking sweet space station, and then you get there, and it turns out, been, like, you know, taken over by, like, space rastas or pirates or some shit. Space rastas? I was reading Neuromancer a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. It fucking happens. Space rastas. (laughs) Fucking space rastas. Fair enough. And, like, they have, like, you know, like, aliens, but not, like, xenomorph aliens, but, like, some kind of fucking aliens. I so, what is the point of these aliens being on the station? Is it just straight invasion, or are they trying to, like, steal millions of dollars? I mean, like, an or? underclass that work for, like, the pirates. Like, you know, okay. they're, like, slave labor for the pirates. So, like, they're generic guys without name tags. So, basically, basically IT people. Yeah, kind yeah. of. They're, like, they're, yeah, like, just like, the enslaved class. Yeah, basically. Like, like, you don't even have a fucking name tag. Just, just, just lie down. <laughs> like, you know, it's not even Christmas anymore. It's, like, fucking St. Patrick's Day or some shit. Like, I don't even know. It's a different holiday completely. That's the way they should have done it, where, like, every sequel is a different holiday, that it would be he's in Boston for St. Patrick's Day. I mean, he was in D.C. for Fourth of July. That was four. Yeah. So there was that. And and then there was the Russia one, which wasn't terrible. Eh. It, It wasn't terrible, like, on its own as a movie compared to, like, you know, contemporaries of the time it came out. Yeah. But, like, as a sequel to try and stand up against the original, it was shit. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing with, like, Duke Nukem Forever. Like, as its own, if this game had come out when it was supposed to come out 15 years ago, it would have been fine. But, like, now you're up against, like, Fallout. Now this is shit. Like, yeah. So, like, it, it's, it's on its own, it wasn't a bad movie. But, like, when you go, like, oh, yeah, this is a sequel to Die Hard, like, five into the series, you're like, oh, this isn't when great. When five in, it's like, man, this guy has, like, the worst luck. Well, yeah, ever. Well, and the whole thing was pitched. The reason he did four and five was he wanted to make pet projects and to get those greenlit. He had to agree to make these fucking movies. So he agreed to make four so he could do Tears of the Sun. Mm -hmm. I forget what movie it was that he was trying to get made to do to do five. And he's pretty much said he's going to do one more and then he's fucking done. And apparently the one more he's going to do is the prequel, which is supposedly supposed to be based off the year one comics. Oh, okay. okay. Which is basically, he's like a young New York cop, so I'm guessing they're probably going to use him either through, like, flashback sequence framing, 
Or they're going to like use that digital aging shit to make him not. I old. really hope they don't try to do that for a whole movie. I mean, it works, he it looks really weird with a wig on these days. So, like, could we not? Like, I'm fine with the flashback framing. I yeah. get it. And honestly, the that, or voiceover and like narrate the young, younging up somebody CGI looks good in limited uses uh, right. for short periods of time. But you can't do a whole movie like that. Otherwise, it's not like yet. Superman where you're trying to like digitally erase a mustache and a dick bulge. Yeah. And it's just not Looks good. fucking terrible. You're like, well, I just can't. Now you told me about it. So now I've got to stare at his dick the whole fucking movie to see if I can pick out the CGI artifacts. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Appreciate you. Stared at Henry Cavill's dick for two hours. All right. So I'm I'm going to go into my serious version. And mine is more kind of trying to maintain the spirit of the original, but kind of modernizing the uh, quirkiness okay. to a more, more, uh, more current tone. And uh, so I was thinking the best way to do that is to get a director that has a really good feel for comedic action and is able to kind of wink at the crowd enough. The the thing that makes John McClane such so, a dynamic. So Paul Feig, you're with Paul Feig? Yes, clearly Paul <laughs> Feig, yes. And uh, <laughs> and John McClane will be played by uh, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, yes. Um, and it's going to be amazing. No, uh, we are not doing that. What we are doing is Matthew Vaughn. Okay. Matthew Vaughn, known for the Kingsman movies, for Kick-Ass, for uh, X-Men First Class. Uh, I mean, Kingsman was pretty solid movie. Kingsman, both of them were a really good time. And I think with John McClane being the kind of action hero he is, he's got that kind of Indiana Jones thing where he doesn't do it perfectly. He somehow succeeds. Well, when that was he what always shouldn't. made Bruce Willis, as, 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 at least as a kid, as my preferred like action movie guy. Is because he runs out of ammo. He gets shot. He gets fucked He's up. He's hurt like the yeah. whole time. It's not like Arnold that just walks through with like a machine gun with unlimited ammo. He's like put the fucking code into Doom. He's like, hi, I'm here to fuck you up. And just hoses everybody with a fucking bullet hose. I'm like, does that motherfucking magazine have a magic spell on it? Because that's a 30 round mag and you just shot like 80 guys with it, Arnold. And. There is John McClane with a handgun. Yeah, like like the end. He's like he's got one round, like two shitty rounds left, and he tapes one to his back with fucking tape, like that kind of shit. Yeah. So uh, I think Matthew Vaughn would definitely kind of maintain a little bit of that spirit. The director of Die Hard, um, or was also the director of Predator. Yeah, John McTiernan. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's some there's some action hero like gravitas here. Yeah. Uh, at, to the point where I thought about actually doing Shane Black instead of Matthew Vaughn. I can see that. Because Shane, Shane Black could definitely pull it. but And also, he's good at making every movie he does take place during Christmas. But I felt it was a little bit too much carbon copy. Uh, okay. It would be kind of in, way too close to the original where there wouldn't be any kind of new elements that made it any different than why not just watch the original. So I went Matthew Vaughn. So, like, so it wouldn't be like the remake of Death Wish? Where I could have just watched the original and or, not been or disappointed. The, the Psycho remake or these remakes that are just like almost shot for shot the same, but they're just not as good. So yeah. what's the point? So Matthew Vaughn. I really had high hopes for Eli Roth on that. I was like, it's Eli Roth. He's got to like make Death Wish like super gory and fucked up. Right? Nope. And I was like, this is just like a it's like a TNT original movie here. What the <laughs> fuck just happened? So for uh, John McClane. I figured uh, Taron Egerton or Eggsy from the Kingsman movies. Uh, he works really well with Matthew Vaughn. He has the ability to be the kind of like smack talking kind of dude that gets away with doing cool shit, even though he, you know, he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> like right. he just lucks out. That works. I think he'd be able to pull it off as like a young John McClane and uh, his estranged wife. 
needs to be like a spitfire lady that's not going to take any shit herself. So Jennifer Lawrence, J-Law, I put in. Okay. And uh, age-wise, they're about correct for each other. So I think that would work. For the uh, for Sergeant Powell, Carl from Family Matters, right. uh, that's a hard, hard shoes to fill. But somebody that has already worked with Matthew Vaughn and is a motherfucking celebrity, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson right. as uh, Sergeant Powell that's going to be dropping motherfucker like crazy during this whole event. Okay. Um, right. And this is going to be, of course, super hard R. So, so who do you got for big Johnson and little Johnson, big Johnson and little Johnson, the FBI agents. Oh, I didn't go as far as to get the oh. FBI agents, but I did uh, get uh Harry. Who's the used car salesman dude, basically that's yeah. trying to pull the shit together. And, uh, I, I decided to go with Randall park. He played, okay. uh, agent Wu in, uh, Ant-Man and wasp. All and right. he's been in a million things. Um, he's he's a great actor, and he's able to play the, like, trying to be important, but not really that important character, which is perfect for that role as Harry, the guy that's like, you know, John, baby, on the cell phone, trying right. to, like, work shit out and trying to be the guy that takes care of stuff, even though nobody takes him seriously. And William Atherton is still William Atherton, right? Yes, clearly. Because <laughs> <laughs> that guy is always a dick. Well, actually, Ghostbusters, he doesn't have a dick. I uh, I had trouble with Hans Gruber. Really? I well, there was the safe choice, which is the uh, dude from Inglorious Bastards. Which one? The Jew, Jew hunter. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Yeah, that's way too obvious. I and I cast him in a, a few things already in this uh, podcast, so I figured I'd go a different way. Also, somebody that's worked with Matthew Vaughn that I would love to see as a charismatic bad guy, just being a fucking bad guy. Uh, Colin Firth. Okay. I think would be kind of fun in that role as Hans Gruber. And he's, you know, he can act. <laughs> he can definitely act. That's fair. So, and uh, as far as Carl, the big, burly, blonde, uh, like muscle. For... Chris Helmsworth. <laughs> no, no. I decided to go with Channing Tatum because you okay. need somebody that actually, the lack of acting would probably help with that role. Probably. Fair enough. And then for Theo, the IT dude that is, uh, that is getting shit straight, Holly Berry. She played okay. uh, the IT type in Golden Circle. So I figured she'd be able to pull this off as well. That's fair. You get a little bit more of a female element involved in the movie as well, which is going to create like a nice now, dynamic. Now, here's there. your important question here. Yeah. Who are you recasting Al Leong with? Uh, which one? Al Leong is everyone's favorite. You know the guy. That Chinese henchman that's in everything. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, the guy that steals the candy bar. He's the Chinese henchman in like fucking every movie in the 80s. Oh God, that yeah, that's a hard call. There he's is got a... like the long hair, the Fu Manchu. He was in fucking Big Trouble Little China and Die Hard. He's in every movie in the eighties. That generic but Asian, his generic henchman. Asian henchman thing is problematic now. <laughs> like, I mean, he still makes a solid career out of it. Yeah, but it's it's I don't know. I don't, I'm saying is that there aren't many actors that are doing that. So like, who currently. do you get to be a generic henchman? That's like the generic henchman guy. Does it have to be like generic Asian henchmen or just generic like, henchmen in general? Like what if we repl okay, so it's 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 you know, it's twenty eighteen, we can't have generic Asian kung fu henchmen anymore because it's not okay. But who's our generic henchman now? Now it's like generic Arab henchmen, I think. Yeah, but like but who do you get? Like Aziz Ansari? No, because <laughs> no. I was thinking along the lines of for for Asian henchman uh Bobby Lee, but I don't think he would intimidate anybody. Right, but also like, we don't really have like generic Asian kung fu henchmen. We've now we've got like, you know, Generic 
Taliban henchman, which sounds terrible, but that's yeah, that's our bad guy du jour now. Yeah, pretty much. But no, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have anybody for that. Yeah, you gotta fill out your henchman there. I do. I gotta. I gotta round it out. But I only had seven spots that I was trying to. That's fair. Move okay. for this. So, but I did want to. Similar storyline, but instead of really pushing the whole like we're terror, we're not really terrorists, but we're pretending we're terrorists because then that'll get people all upset and everything. Is right. that make it more of a what they did in uh, Live Free or Die Hard, where it's cyber terror. It's just yeah. straight up. It's not for a country. It's not for any kind of thing other than trying to steal shit uh, right. cyberly, and uh, that that's the main focus of it. So we're not at like some generic corporation. We're at a fucking bank this time. Oh well, a bank within a. a big building maybe yeah. on the you know 30th floor or so like, 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 the, like the bank of america building or something where you need physical access to the server no you just get shit. the capital one offices i'm fine uh, with and that. then and then you're good to go dude someone rolls into cap one wants to take the place over like cool we're leaving yeah. have a good one you it's enjoy, all yours enjoy yourself fuck them <laughs> so we do something along those lines where they're trying to like do a wire transfer type thing uh, it stuff which would also allow for an additional character to be kind of pulled in as one of the IT guys from the deal that becomes the Justin Long of the Die Hard remake, where he's just like kind of being tugged along and being the wisecracking sidekick kind of character. Except in mine, he fucking gets killed. Okay. Like after he does, a, <laughs> he does hero death where he like does a thing, and you know you have the whole trope of him being a scaredy cat, and then he stands up and fights back. And as he's like bleeding out, he pushes the buttons to make the thing do the thing, right. and then he dies. And showing his heroics at the last second, you give him that moment, but he's fucking dead. Like he, he doesn't go and save the day and then and start dating John McClane's daughter. You know, none of that shit. <laughs> he's just dead. He's just not alive anymore. Sweet. So that that's my main focus there. But yeah, I think uh, fuck L.A. We're not doing this in L.A. I figure this is more of a Chicago thing. I could uh, see Chicago being a better New York. New York. If you're going like if you're going stealing money, you got to go with Wall Street. Yeah, but it's just... Wall Street's the place to rob people. You're not wrong, but it's overused so much that I'd like to give it a different city. Not that Chicago's exactly underutilized. Or you go just full-on international. I mean, you've got lots of major banking centers around the world. You could take it to Japan. and Uh, Japan, uh, what's that that building? I think it's Kuala Lumpur. The two massive towers. Sure. They have the fucking bridge across each other. Like Singapore or some shit. That would be fun for filming. You could like huck that motherfucker off the fucking walkway. Hell yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think actually international is probably the better way to go. Um, Yeah, some, Dubai. Dubai, that's where it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like somewhere like that. Yeah, the like real big skyscraper. Yeah. Yeah, some monster foreign skyscraper this dude like john mcclain's not even there to like visit his wife like him and his wife are there on vacation <laughs> he just wandered into this building he totally take the whole like element of him being estranged from his wife but still trying to protect her thing you like, just throw like, that he's out a, the he's window. a he's a strange like they're all this like a vacation to try like fix their marriage and like wandered into this building after having an argument looking for directions or some shit and like surprise oh to make it even worse is that uh colin firth hans gruber yeah. is actually uh McLean's or, or McLean's wife uh, Holly Holly Genero McLean Genero yeah. um, is an ex of hers. Oh, great! From like college, <laughs> and so there's this whole added element. So they wander to this random building looking for directions, run into her ex, and it just just goes downhill from there. Yeah, fair enough. Fuck yep. it, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, fuck. Yeah, why not? Oh, that's way too much coincidence. Fuck you. Like John McLean has been caught up in international conspiracy for like five fucking movies. We yeah. can deal with like running into an ex that happens to be a. Yeah. international villain fuck it why not why not it's an action film that's perfectly fine it still can't be worse than just accidentally ending up in russia on vacation 
Yeah, right? <laughs> it's supposed to be a vacation. Well, then go the fuck on vacation. Stop yeah. shooting Russian bad guys. Fuck them. Yeah, vacation in Russia. Smart move. Okay, so we're uh, we're done with our serious, although they weren't so, like, exactly serious. I, I'm, I've been brewing the idea for a funny one all day. And, and the, the biggest thing I, I want to do, like, for your director, you got to go with someone that can do... I mean, and not like outright slapstick funny, like <sighs> weird action funny. Yeah. So like, I'm looking at like a, like a guy Richie or or even a Tarantino. Okay. Where it's kind of that weird situational funny. Yeah. It's like dark funny. Like you have to be kind of a fucked up person to laugh at this kind of shit. And letting the the scene itself kind of be the humor as opposed to being wisecracking jokes. Right. I mean, yeah. there's still like good one liners, like you know how sure. long those fucking sausages. But like, it, it's not like oh look, he got hit in the face with a pie, or you know he tripped over his gun. Like yeah. But at the same time, like. I kind of want to swap the roles of like Al and, and, and you know, McLean, where like McLean's kind of the bumbling moron who just manages to stumble his way through shit. And to do that, the perfect person you have to cast for it, he's going to have to stop bulking up, but you get the dude from Chuck. The dude from, oh, uh, Zachary Levy? Yes. Yes. So you get okay. him as John McLean. And then for fucking Al, Al Powell, you get a Dearest Alba. Okay. Super, super serial. Yep. Like just, just, completely swap the serious right there and just he, completely in control yeah. of the situation yeah. just like he's like walking him through it like like he's trying to walk mr magoo through landing a fucking plane yeah so he's just like i don't know I, I, he's like fucking with the gun and accidentally shoots the guy in the fucking face he's like well there's a bag of bombs now surprise i thought about uh idris as john clayne for one of my reboots but the problem that i had there is that he seems way too on top of the situation to be a john mcclain character right he wouldn't be the improvisational type nearly as much as john mcclain tends to be so it just didn't seem like the well right i mean fit. some of the stuff in luther i can see him just improvising and just sure. beating some guy's fucking face in but less less gunplay more just beating the shit out of someone sure but like so you, you do him as al who's the super serious straight man and then you've got like, you know, Zachary Levi is like a bumbling John McClane who has no idea the fuck he's doing and just stumbled in here by accident because he was like there to fix the printer or something. Yeah. Um, for your bad guy, though, you still have to go with a classic bad guy. In that case, you got to at least do some kind of 80s throwback. And I'm going with Michael Ironside. OK, solid. Because fucking Michael Ironside does not get nearly the credit he deserves for being a creepy, overbearing, weird bad guy. And he was in everything in the 80s and early 90s he was he was in so many things and now he's in like nothing i think the last time i saw him in something was turbo kid yeah he was in that uh he was the voice of dark side in justice league okay uh he was in starship troopers okay uh he was lieutenant razak but that's like the last thing i can think of seeing him in is like yep. fucking starship troopers yep so you get him for that um for for theo you, you kind of got to go basic you, you go with like you know you, you you're chris tucker or someone like that you okay. Get, you get your Chris Tucker in there, but you've got to have for your generic your generic guy like you know henchman any number one. But the the one that I really kind of like and I, and I know it's just because he's still super like good at martial arts. But uh, Ray, I forget his fucking name. He played Darth Maul. He was Snake Eyes. Oh, no oh, one knows yeah, his um, damn face because he's always got a mask on or paint. I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, well well known stuntman. But he's very he doesn't do he he doesn't have a lot of lines in anything anyway. Because he's usually a quiet character that doesn't talk and just fucks people up. So there's your generic your generic henchman bad guy there. You can pretty much paint him, dress him up however the fuck you want, because he's always in some kind of a costume. You never know what his fucking face looks like yeah. in any damn way. Um, and you kind of go with the same premise, though. I mean, maybe you move it somewhere else so that it's not in L.A. again. 
Yeah. But you do it like Guy Ritchie style, where it's they kind of fumble into it. There's a bit of goofy one-liners, and it's Guy Ritchie movie, so you got to have Vinnie Jones in there somewhere. So that's Carl. Yep. Okay, Vinnie no, Jones is fucking Carl. Absolutely, I can 100% see that. You know, and a Guy Ritchie joint. Yeah. And, and you know, you get like a, a Jason Statham cameo in there because it's still Guy Ritchie. You know, he's one of the random bad guys. He's Carl's brother that gets, you know, whacked with a machine gun and he's dead in the elevator. You or know? you just do a, a flippy do where he's the bald dude crawling through the air ducts and then he gets shot like immediately. Yeah, there you go. It's just fucking immediately. He gets shot while Zachary Levi's trying to figure out how to load a gun and he just puts a round to the ceiling and right in his chin. And you just see like him fall out of a vent yeah. and with arm dangling down like, oh, OK, well, we got the guy. And then there's. There's, there's act- the dead actual... bald guy in the vents. Yeah. All right, fuck it. All right, whatever. There's found to be only one bald yeah. guy in the vents, so that's probably taken care of at that point. Yeah. And for his wife, you got to get someone that's that's just equally just on that other side of things. So you got to get someone like Gal Gadot or someone, someone that's just big, mean, and able to fuck people up. Yeah, has this goofy little nerdy husband. Okay. So just completely, basically swap all like your major characters from like serious to funny, and just make it just wrong. Okay. And then just go through it, Guy Ritchie style, just weird one-liners, bizarre, and then just super hyper-filmed slow motion action scenes. Nice. Okay. All Guy Ritchie style, but like that weird dark humor kind of. Yeah, which I think could very possibly work in that situation. Um, I I think basically lock, stock, and two smoking diehards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think might be the name of this episode. There you go. <laughs> I uh, decided to go a very different route for my funny. Uh, I'd like to imagine, because Die Hard is a, considered by many to be a holiday movie, a, you know, it's not exactly a family film. And no. th- there is somebody that's able to play with kind of like the darker tone stuff, but in a very almost kiddish and like absurd way that I think would be an interesting take on Die Hard. So, Wes Anderson presents Die Hard is what I'm doing for my funny. Well, at least it's not John Waters. Yeah, no. I did John Waters for the He-Man episode, and that was interesting enough. Um, uh, Yeah, I I just figured get Wes Anderson to do a remake of Die Hard, and it would be just the most absurd fucking thing ever. And it'll have to have Bill Murray in it. It would have to. And yeah, yeah, he is on my list. First off, of course, John McClane, and there's nobody better to play John McClane in this version than Jason Schwartzman. Okay. And just him kind of doing that sarcastic response thing the whole time, just kind of whiny while he's going through the vents. So basically whole nine yards, Bruce Willis. Yeah, kind of, kind of that route. <laughs> just kind of annoyed at the whole task that he's here being sarcastic about it the whole way. I just, I just see him uh, in the vents. That scene is like, you know, come out to LA. We'll have a few laughs. But with Jason Schwartzman, just doing it in this, like rolling his eyes and just being so indignant about it. Well, and then he, the lighter, like, burning his hands and he drops it, you know, kind of thing. I think it'd be... Except it's a Bic and it catches on fire. It's, a Bic. it's, it's not even a Zippo. It's like a Bic and you, you held it open too long and it starts to melt. <laughs> I think... Uh, it goes out. You try to light it and burn yourself on the fucking wheel. Yes. <laughs> so the wife, uh, Holly Genero McLean, uh, to counter Jason Schwartzman, I wanted somebody that seemed to have it a little bit more together than this version of John McClane. I don't know why we want to make John McClane a dunce in our, I mean, in our funny. It just, it's just because he, he kind of, if you look at it objectively, the original movie, he, yes, he's badass and just knows what he's doing and like fucks everyone up. But at the same time, he still kind of stumbled his way into what the fuck he's doing. And he could have just, like, minded his own business, got the fuck back in the limo, and, like, hung out with Argyle, mm-hmm. listened to some fucking, you know, sweet 80s rap, hanging yep. out with a fucking bear, and get drunk. Like, 
Typical white people. I'm going to go into where the danger is. Yep. Like, fuck that. I'm going to go my ass back out of the limo. Because <laughs> he had that moment that he was able to choose between staying inside and yeah. escaping. For Holly, I decided to go with a stronger actress that would seem to have her shit together. I went with uh, Natalie Portman. Okay. Who also worked in Wes Anderson film or did the short before, uh, what was it? Darjeeling Limited, I believe. Okay. So she's got some familiarity with the director. Um, she's a great actress. Absolutely great actress. Um, likes genre films and uh, I think would be able to play that kind of annoyed as fuck with Jason Schwartzman's McLean to the point where you understand why they were splitting up. Yeah. But also him just kind of by accident, getting falling back into her good graces by just happenstance of being at the right place at the right time, doing things the wrong way, but it working out instead. You like know? fucking Mr. Magoo? Kind of. A little, yeah. yeah, Mr. Magoo goes to Die Hard. Yeah. Mr. Magoo goes to Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And uh, for Sergeant Powell, you got to go Danny Glover with that. Is he too old for this shit? He's too old for this shit. It just, it, I couldn't, I could not pick anybody else. It was just too perfect. I remember what it was I was watching with him in it recently, and I was like, holy shit. Oh. It was uh, Old Man and the Gun I saw with him in it recently. And Jesus, oh God, is he old. I think the last one that I saw was he was in Badasses 3, The, the I Bayou. I have not seen the third one. I have the first two on my Flex server. I have not done enough drugs to sit down and watch them. I The first one is surprisingly good. It's 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 a B-movie. but it's, I mean, it's Danny Trejo and, and you know, and, and Danny Glover reenacting the bus guy. Yeah, like that—that's what that movie yep. is based on. It's like the the you know, the Amber Lamps bus guy that whooped the shit out of a guy on a bus. Mm -hmm. They've made three movies out of this premise. Yes, absolutely. Of just like old vet that beats the shit out of young. Punks. So that's probably not as good. That's probably you know the movie I saw him in was Paul Newman's like swan song was Old Man and the Gun, and he it was him and Tom Waits were his crew to go <laughs> rob banks. Yes, as one is wont to do. Yeah. I mean, I'd rob a bank with Tom Waits. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think I would go, like, you know, like, hunting for gold with Tom Waits. No, because but I would I, we probably rob a bank with Tom Waits. You've determined that is a bad move. <laughs> yeah. Universally seen as a bad move. So, uh, Natalie Portman for Holly. Uh, we've got Sergeant Powell as Danny Glover. For Harry, the guy that thinks he has it together, yeah. that's just like a shit talker and, like, trumps himself up, up a little bit. Matthew that, McConaughey. No. That's, <laughs> that's my Bill Murray. <laughs> Okay. Because I feel like that character, he would have a ton of fun playing. That's fair. He would do so much with that character. It's just being being the Venkman. Yeah. I mean, for the guy, Richie, when you have to have Matthew McConaughey as Harry. Yeah. Just just, just his, his entire character from Wolf of Wall Street, just in this movie. Just <laughs> doing a shitload of blow, banging on his chest, losing his mind. That's who you got. Nice. No, I think I just, I want to see Bill Murray talking to the to the terrorists in this very like buddy buddy kind of way, and just wink, just wink into the camera the whole time. Oh yeah. Well, just trying to like talk down John McClane from doing anything rash. I mean, at that point, you might as well stop stuff Ryan Reynolds in here somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> just Deadpool is in the building. He just he just walks by past a dead guy. Honestly, up a gun and I've, I've discussed this. I I'm not sure if on air or off air, but I just would love if there was a Deadpool cut. You remember? I think it was Walmart or Target. They redid the covers for movies, yeah. the cardboard covers where it was all Deadpool. Yeah. If they just did that in the movies, where it was just him in the background somewhere. I mean, technically, Fox owns the rights to him still. They could just randomly do that for all kinds of movies. I would rebuy so many movies if there was just a scene with Deadpool in the background doing some dumb, like, Charlie Chaplin shit in the background that has nothing, doesn't change anything I mean, they in the could movie. green screen the whole thing 
And just like, all right, so like, Ryan Reynolds, we're doing this today, and uh, you, you're having a cameo we're putting in the special DVD edition of, you know, fucking Die Hard 2, I don't care. Yeah, right. And, you know, and he just kind of like walks through the airport eating some peanuts or something while I was getting shot in the escalators. Like, <laughs> fuck it. Okay, we're doing a special Deadpool version of Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Reynolds, if you could come to the set. <laughs> We would appreciate it. Fuck it. I don't care. We're, we're doing uh, a special Deadpool edition of Aliens. <laughs> just just fuck it, all right? I don't care. That he wouldn't need to interact with because I would need to have him do the ah! thing uh, when he sees a xenomorph. Like, nope, I'm done. I can't <laughs> deal with that. All right, so the big dog, the Hans Gruber of Wes Anderson, I decided that it would be a lot of fun to see what Willem Dafoe could do with that role. Okay. He's... I mean, Such... I can see him chewing some scenery. Oh, yeah. No, he would chew the ever-living fuck out of that. And, you know, Wes Anderson scenery looks like it's probably sprinkled with sugar. So it probably Columbian tastes pretty good. Sugar. Colombian sugar. Yeah. So uh, Willem Dafoe, just as Hans Gruber, mainly just to see the drop scene where he's dropped from the building, because he's got the biggest mouth of any actor in Hollywood to see him just go, ah, and just it take up now, the important half part, of the screen. The important part is you have to do it the same way John McTiernan did it, which is you don't tell him when you're dropping him. It would just be Willem Dafoe going, fuck, 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 fuck. You're, you're aware of that, right? Oh, yeah, they, no. they, they, oh, yeah. One of the, the DVD commentaries, like, Alan Rickman wouldn't talk to John McTiernan for, like, 30 years because he was super pissed at him. Because they told him they were going to drop him on three, and they dropped him on, like, Tuh. Oh, Jesus. And, like, so, like, he had no idea he was about to be falling. That's why it looks so fucking scary. He's like, oh, shit, I'm actually fucking falling. <laughs> Do the same thing to Willem Dafoe, except he's just going to completely own it, like, Nick Cage's way through it. That's what I, I want. Willem Dafoe to take acting lessons from Nick Cage to do a Wes Anderson version of Die Hard. Fuck it. All and right. then the world just crumbles immediately upon release of this film. I need a movie that has Willem Dafoe and Nicolas Cage in it. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. It'll probably be right up there with uh, New Rose Hotel, which had Christopher Walken and Willem Dafoe in it. That's the one that just came out not that long ago. Right? No, this is old. What's the one that came out recently? No, that's the one with Jeff Bridges uh, that's some hotel. That Yeah, this is called New Rose Hotel. It's based on an older um, William Gibson short story, but it has Willem Dafoe and Christopher Walken. It's like mid-late 90s. Okay, okay. But it's it. there's some scenery being chewed. Oh, okay. Because, you know, it's Willem Dafoe and Christopher Walken. Yeah, that would tend they to happen. They both talk real funny. Yeah, and they probably are trying to out each other each other. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. No, I'm the weird one. No, I'm the weird one. Yeah. I, I, okay. There is no watches and asses. No one gets a watch up their ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought that was part of the contract. No. No? Okay. So, uh, Carl, uh, that was Channing Tatum in my Matthew Vaughn version, I decided that, that the, the muscle would be funny if played by Owen Wilson, who has done some action stuff, but just, oh, wow. You know, as he's going around <laughs> the building looking for John McClane. Like, Oh, hey guys, you can't shoot him, okay? I'm, I, he's mine. <laughs> this really chill version of Carl going around like I'm getting really angry, just not really emoting much at all. And then uh, Theo, the IT dude, I decided to go with another actor that was relatively young when he first starred in a Wes Anderson film, uh, Tony Revolori, who was the the tiny kid in uh, the Hotel Budapest, uh, Budapest. Grand Budapest Hotel, um, the little kid that's getting like trained in bell hopping uh, during the movie. That, that's uh, that's Tony uh, Revolori, and he's old enough now that he could play like a young, whip smart, like computer hacker type kid that is uh, being 
being used by Willem Dafoe to break in and uh, steal lots of money. I mean, I like money. Yeah. So I, I think I think that'd be an interesting take. But overall, I just think the cutesy macabre approach to filmmaking that Wes Anderson does, where he takes really kind of dark storylines and elements and he cutifies them like to an unbelievable degree. Yeah. Whereas murders are happening and terrible shit is happening, terrible things all over happening. And you're just like, this is adorable. So I want to see what he can do with Die Hard in that regard. That's so that, fair. those are our, uh, our serious and our funnies. Now we've got a couple suggestions on mashups for the uh, mashup section. We ask our fans to suggest another property, whether it be TV or film to mash up with the property that we're talking about. And we just kind of talk about what that would look like. And we could also have um, possibly some ideas ourselves on uh, how to mash it up. I thought it would be funny to mash up uh, Elf with Die Hard because there is the big building that the father works in. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, there uh, with James Caan is the father. And uh, so Buddy the Elf and his dad are at his work late at night when it's taken over by terrorists. And John McClane is just happening in the background. This whole thing is happening. Well, Buddy is just not understanding what is actually happening within the building. Okay. Just trying to make friends with the terrorists and like not not really understanding that this is a life or death situation and they were going to murder you. I'm like, oh, that looks nice. You know, I just looking at the guns and get it, getting a hold of a gun and then waving it around, not knowing how dangerous it is and people of well, the terrorists ducking as he's just like shooting so like, it. Like Reno 911. Kind of. No, no idea how gun safety no works. No idea how it works whatsoever. So I thought that would be fun. Uh, my other one is Titanic. Uh, I just want to see a giant boat with a giant building on the boat and the boat is sinking from an iceberg as there's also a terrorist attack happening within the building that is inside the boat. Wasn't that the premise of Speed 3? It might have been Speed 3, yeah. There was, there was one of the speed movies that was on a boat. That was two, I think. Yeah. Cruise control. That's right. And yes. it was bad. It was real bad. It did not have Dennis Hopper, which disappointed me. No Dennis Hopper and no Keanu Reeves. And really the only reason that speed worked in the first place was because Keanu can't act. And it actually worked in that movie. Right. And, Dion, and Dennis Hopper is just fucking bonkers. Yeah, just absolutely Dennis Hoppering through that entire Dennis Hopper is the only reason that Waterworld has any redeeming value left in the world. It's <laughs> it's not Kevin Costner because that his part in the movie is terrible. It's just Dennis Hopper chewing his way through riding an oil tanker through the watery apocalypse. Uh, we've got a couple from our friend Michelle on uh, some mashup suggestions. The first one is Flowers in the Attic with Die Hard. Okay. I think that's an easy one, though. Yeah. The scene where he goes up to, to the roof. You have the kids, instead of an attic, they're on locked on the roof of the building. Like, their only escape from their prison of living on top of this roof of this building is the sweet sanctity of death by leaping off of the building. And they have not brought themselves to that point. And they're just stuck on the roof of Nakatomi Plaza, uh, waiting for some semblance of, of freedom, whether it be by death or by, you know, okay. escape. Uh, then you can also make that a backdoor sequel to The Hangover, and the dude from The Hangover is, that's the building that he was locked on the roof of, and he's dead, and they're just poking <laughs> him with a stick, the kids from Flowers in the Attic. Okay. As there's machine gun play by the terrorists and John McClane. Around. So I've got a couple terrible ones for you once you're done with those. Um, the other one from Michelle, and then you can go, is uh, Wolf Cop. I mean, Wolf Cop was good on its own. I mean, it was good on its own, but if you just make John McClane a werewolf, then I... 
I can't see how that would make it worse. Uh, there requires to be a cameo from Michael J. Fox. In yes, this movie. No, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> as like his younger brother. Yeah, he just <laughs> got the shakes. <laughs> oh. But then you got a scene where he's like going through the ventilation systems, but his hair keeps getting caught in the creases between the different vent. Yeah, pieces. but then someone cuts the heat on, and he gets like a perm. Oh, and yeah, perm, perm wolf cop. It's like yes. a fucking L'Oreal commercial. He just stops and blows his hair out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've got one that's funny, um, and that would be. Shit, now I forgot what it was now. Damn it. Oh, Christmassy one. That's what it was. So you mash up Die Hard and Bad Santa. Okay. Like John McClane rolls into the department store while Billy Bob Thornton's trying to fucking rob the place. But it's like die it's like Bad Santa 2, where he gets fucked over and they're like trying to kill everyone. And he's just trying to buy a fucking teddy bear again. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, like, he has to save Billy Bob Thornton's drunk ass. He's going to save the fucking drunk midget. And he's going to kill all these fucking terrorists that are just trying to rob the, the fucking store. And he's like, I'm just trying to buy a fucking teddy bear. <laughs> and the next one, uh, this idea came to me because I was watching Robot Chicken today at work. And this one episode came on. And you may have seen it. It's the one where they did the Disney Channel joke about Diary Van Frank with, like, Hillary Duff. Oh yes, it, so you have yeah. So you have I'm just me. The diehardery of Anne Frank. So oh, he has God. to help them escape the attic, and it's basically just like playing through a Wolfenstein level. It's just John McClane on an escort mission with Anne Frank, oh, just Jesus mowing Christ. down fucking Nazis. How can you not like that? Yeah, but that's getting slowly close to the point of what am I talking about? That it's not a diehard movie. We're talking about diehard in space. We're talking about diehard on the Titanic. We're talking about Die Hard meets Elf, so I think I mean, yeah, there's room. John McClane mowing down Nazis sounds like a win-win American movie to That's me. That's true. That is pretty fucking America. Uh, the other one that we were suggested by our friend Stephanie, uh, Steve Martin's Mixed Nuts. Oh. And from what I can remember from it, that was like the the like suicide prevention hotline or like the call, call center where like I think so. stuff happens. So you could make it where they... That, places in the building in Nakatomi Plaza and the terrorists use the call center as a means of communication with the police. And then you've got all the hijinks that ensue and mixed nuts happening at the call center that's in Nakatomi Plaza as all the hijinks are ensuing from Die Hard. So speaking of, of throwback old comedy movies, you mash up Die Hard and the Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movie, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Oh my God, I love that movie. I love that Except movie. Except instead of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, it's Al and John being blind and deaf. God damn it. <laughs> In the diehard setting. Yes. Gold. Yeah. Absolute fucking gold. All right, so those are our mashups. The last thing we have for this episode is, of course, our trailers, where we'll come up with uh, music to do our inner world trailers oh. for whichever version of uh, Die Hard we decide to do the trailer for. So, all right, I think I am going to do the Wes Anderson uh, version of uh, of Die Hard for my trailer. So let me get the, the music going here. Meet John McClane. He's a retired detective out of New York City that's coming to make things right with his wife when one night, on a Christmas Eve, things go silly. This summer... Wes Anderson brings you Die Hard with Natalie Portman as his wife, Sergeant Al Powell played by Danny Glover, and the illustrious Bill Murray as the wise Kraken, used car salesman type Harry Ellis. This summer, Die Hard. Wow. <laughs> 
So that's basically it. That's all, really all you have to do. You can make it as short or as long as you want to for the thing. Okay. Now, you you said you wanted to do the uh, actual Die, Die Hard movie. Right. Do a trailer for that. I guess. I, I don't really have an idea for this one. This one kind of, this one's caught me off guard. It's what I haven't come up with anything for really all Oh, okay. okay. Like, try to think, I was like, ah, fuck, I, I, I got nothing. Okay. So, like, I don't have anything for this, so I'm just going to wing it with the original one, and I'm, I wing everything, dude. Yeah, like, that's kind of the whole point of this section anyway. Most of anyway. what I do is winging it. Yep, that's <laughs> what I've gotten good at as well. The, the story of my life is so fucking we, wing it. come up with some, uh, unfortunately I didn't have any, like, free licensed Christmas music to use for you. Damn, I was hoping for I some, know. some, like, some, just some sleigh bells jingling. Jing, jing, that's jingle. all I would need to find too, yeah. but no, I just didn't didn't think ahead just, enough. I mean, it's a Christmas movie. Why don't you fucking sleigh bells? Oh, I know. It's almost like I run a network of like eight fucking podcasts or something. What are those podcasts? Some asshole with sleigh bells just jingle them into a fucking microphone. <laughs> fair, that's fair. Somewhere you know a band geek that has sleigh bells. All right, here we go. So, uh, whenever you're ready, I fuck it, wing it. All right, the original Die Hard, not one of our remakes. Yeah. This Christmas, John McClane is trying to fix things with his wife. Until shit fucking happens. Today, on this Red Band trailer. <laughs> it's the 80s. Bad things are happening. Everything's on fire. The economy sucks. And there's terrorists! <laughs> this winter, Die Hard. <laughs> I got nothing. This, this is my way in. I like how it really, really talked about you know kind of something that's not discussed very much in the original Die Hard is that bad shit is happening like I like that that, that trailer really pushed that through yeah. that bad shit was happening bad shit's yeah, happening no I think that was smart. I mean you know you're gonna cut that up a bit with some just there's not a lot of dialogue on there you're just gonna cut that up with some just random scenes and, and quick one-liners from the movie you're like we party pal and yeah like that in there yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah <laughs> okay so I, that that that's my wing hey out. that works that works so quality that, radio here this is our clearly uh the reason why we haven't been uh sent to hollywood to yeah. help produce movies i would probably be, be a better casting director than i would be a trailer voiceover guy yeah and see, unfortunately, you got to do double duty on this uh, podcast where you yeah. do the voiceover work and you do the casting at the same time. Well, you know. We're a small budget. When we get bigger, you know, then we can hire people to do the Inner World. You can, you can hire a voiceover guy. If I could hire the new in Inner World guy to do the trailers for this, would be fan-fucking-tastic. What was that comedian? Pablo Francisco used to do a perfect impression of him. Really? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Like, that was like mid-2000s. <laughs> nice. Of course, you've always got, you know, Billy West and Phil Lamar. Who of course, can who can everybody. do literally anybody, yeah. I, Frank Welker can be, speaking of which, Frank Welker can be fucking anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know that he still holds the record for one of the highest grossing actors in Hollywood? Really? Based on movies. In so much shit. It's, it's based on movies because he's in so many movies, he has so many movie credits. Um, it's not based on like how much he's been paid, but like based on the movies that he's been involved with. Mm -hmm. It's him and Sam Jackson are right there at the top. Well, I know Sam Jackson was up there. Just, just because he does so many noises, voices, animals, things like that. Mm -hmm. That's just all he does. Like 98% of what he does is like he makes a noise for this animal and oh, now he's on the fucking credits. <laughs> That's that is the way to fucking do it right there. I, I, he he makes a hefty living and you never see him at fucking conventions. Yeah, he doesn't have to go because he doesn't have he to, doesn't yeah. have to do conventions. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much, geeks, for listening to this episode of Smack My Pitch Up. We're going to be hopefully getting back on the train of releasing these every single week. It's been 
a lot of work with the holidays coming through on getting all the episodes out for all the different podcasts that we have on the GUI network, but we are knocking them out this week. As I record this, um, the week that you hear this, uh, we dropped seven, seven episodes of, Something uh, like GUI shows in, in five days. And we're recording two tonight. Yeah. And we're, we're three tonight. Actually. Three? Oh, what's the third one? The third one is our, whoever wants to stick around after uh, oh. the recording, we do a quick like 15, 20 minute thing called GUI nights, much like, the, Oh, I saw the new advertising, just like Baywatch that. nights. Oh, uh, meaning that it's uh, not as good and won't be nearly as popular. We'll see if I still have booze. Yeah. <laughs> and we just sit around and shoot the shit and maybe pick up on a tangent that we left by the wayside during the episode. And we pick that up and make that the main focus of the 20 minute thing. So okay. real easy uh, requires no prep time whatsoever. And, but it's still a lot of fun. It's a way to kind of see, almost a behind the scenes from episodes of geeks under the influence. So definitely check those out. Those will be for the month of December, be releasing in, in coinciding with the GY episodes. But as of January, they'll be getting released every other week on the off weeks that we're not releasing geeks under the influence episodes. We'll be releasing GY nights episodes to kind of keep you interested, wet your whistle a little bit for the next one. So uh, check all that stuff out at GYpodcast.com. Make sure to check out our T public page uh, for all of our shirts and merch available through uh, the T public site. You just go to GYpodcast.com slash store. There's a link to our T public page right there and, you know, get some merch. It's the holidays. So get some stuff for your loved ones that you've been harassing to listen to episodes of geeks under the influence or smack my pitch up or beautiful disasters or any of the other shows on the GY network. And, uh, you know, that that's how you show love is forcing your likes and interests on people around you. That's that's really how to show. Is that what you do? That's 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 how dad did it. That's how America does it. And it worked out pretty well so far. My dad just kind of disappeared and didn't show up for Christmas. Yeah, that was mine, actually, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we're sad. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to drink some alcohol. Yeah. About that. All right. Uh, again, thanks, guys. And uh, as always, you just got pitched smacked. GUIPodcast.com This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout. We got to talk about our sponsors. Tis the season of giving. I know you're already going out there on Amazon.com getting presents for your friends and family. And uh, I know you're going to be going back for more. The next time you go to Amazon.com, just make sure you do it through the link at GUIPodcast.com. Go to the homepage and in the top right hand corner, you're going to see a thing saying shop Amazon. Click on that link. Anything you purchase through that link, we get a portion of whatever you spend. So you're spending the same amount of money you planned on for Aunt Flo and Uncle Steve, but you're also giving a little bit money back to the poor bastards at the GUI network. Another way to support the GUI network is through T Public. That's right. We've got all sorts of merch available from the GUI network shows. If you just go to GUIpodcast.com backslash store, we have a link to our Tee Public store that has shirts for every podcast on the network, as well as inside joke t-shirts and exclusive designs done by panelists and friends of the show. We also have a couple of t-shirts that were curated designs from the Tee Public site that we think you guys would like as well. 
All of these are going to be on sale intermittently throughout the month of December. So definitely keep an eye out on those shirts and merch and cell phone covers, coffee cups, stickers, all bags, everything available through the Tee Public store. They're going to be going on sale left and right all December. So make sure you pick up those. I think December 18th is the cutoff to make sure that you get them before Christmas. Show your support for GUI. Give us a little bit of money for our Christmas shopping and get some really cool swag that your friends in Idaho will have no clue what you're referencing. Like, what is a podcast from Richmond, Virginia? Why, why should I be excited about that? Geeks under the influence. It's just drunk geeks. Yeah, pretty much. Impress your friends. It's a good time. Shop T Public. GUIPodcast.com slash store.